You're watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates. That stadium is going to be rocking, and heaven help whoever walks in there to play us. Stain, effort, and violence, you play your ass off. You're watching the Pirate Preview on the Sports Objective. Join us every Tuesday night on YouTube Live as we're joined by beat writers and other media members as we take a look at what lies ahead for the Pirates. Now, here are the guys. Here is a first down. Pirates. Welcome in to the Pirate Preview of Pirates taking on Houston Senior Day. On Saturday at 2 p.m., Bubba, very excited to have our, our guest back, one of our favorites. Even though, I mean, I know he's University of Houston, but he's one of ours. Yeah, obviously always excited to, to talk East Carolina, Houston. I'm with this guy, and welcome back in um, from the Cougar Radio Network, Ted Pardee. Ted, we appreciate your time. Awesome. No, Bubba, you and Dave are the best. I, I appreciate you guys asking me to be on. Love catching up with you guys. Love love doing our preseason stuff. And uh, hey, we've been kind of we've been thinking about this one now, guys. Who would have thunk two six and four teams matching it up? Huh? Crazy. Yeah, no doubt about it. You're gonna tailgate with us right before you go on the air. If I can, if I can get over there, you know I will, Dave. You know I will. Yeah, I'm right. I'm right near the practice field, not too far from you. So. It's a walk Good. across a quick parking lot, right, Bubba? <laughs> I guess he's having some um, difficulties there, but uh, Ted, welcome. Bubba's, Bubba's just speechless. He's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come on, best tailgating in in all of Greenville. Come on, of course we know that, right? That's right. And uh, you guys, uh, we, we've improved from the double wide in the sky, as Terry Holland used to say, a former athletic director, <laughs> when it comes to the press box. So working really hard. And um, we were talking pre-show, um, but you guys have done a tremendous job with upgraded facilities, something we're working on right now uh, with Pirates Unite. I was showing you about that $60 million campaign uh, for yep. Pirate fans that they know about it, but uh, an indoor practice facility, upgrades to the baseball. Uh, we've got luxury boxes there for baseball. It's going to be really cool. Plus upgrades to Menji's uh, Williams Arena for basketball. So a lot of cool things. They've uh, have a, uh, I guess, like an auxiliary weight room, if you will, for the Olympic sports and for baseball. And uh, so a lot of uh, effort. That fact, that's almost completed. Um, right, it's right adjacent, right near the baseball field. So at Clark Eclair. But anyway, we've been working really hard on that. And now you guys, and I also read an article about it's for Cincinnati. You know, Dustin Hoffman said it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. And Cincinnati worked 10 years i read an article about them about their facilities and all that on how long you guys took at houston but in other words this stuff uh, people don't realize with fundraising and all the blueprints and all the plans and everything it takes time to make this happen it's not something that's done overnight to raise the money and then you've got to build it too and you know how there's always snags and delays for this or that with construction uh, it's it's the truth um you know We've talked a lot about this. I, I, I love the stadium. I love what, you know, I, I remember back before the boneyard, before the end zone was there. So I, I you know, I, I'm an old, exactly in the picture in the background there. So, you know, so I love the, the luxury suites, the press box area. That's incredible. You guys have really done a great job of upgrading. The stadium's awesome. The stadium's fantastic. 
you know, at Houston, we had to make some tough calls because we were sort of, you know, we were stuck in a rut. We, we were in the Southwest Conference. Uh, we didn't get included in the Big 12. We go to Conference USA with the rest of, you know, with you guys and a bunch of guys. And uh, we, we felt like we were kind of, we were like a boat without, without a rudder. You know, we were, we were just kind of listing around. Uh, we had some great leadership, but it really, I, I got to give a lot of the credit to the current uh, leadership that's been in place for, for a long time starting with Chancellor Renu Couture. Uh, she is amazing. She supports athletics so much. She loves our university. And, and so she's the, she's the sort of the spark. And then from the spark, we've got other great leaders in the, in the university, like Tillman Fertitta, who's our chairman of the Board of Regents. Now, now Tillman went to Texas Tech University. He's, you know, he's, but he lives in Houston. He's always lived in Houston. And he's been really supportive of the program. When I was in school, he was a supporter of the program. He became the owner of the Houston Rockets. Yep. Um, you know, he owns the Landry's Restaurant Group. He's an incredibly influential guy. But you can't make that one guy foot the bill for everything, right? So he, he's one person who helps motivate others to give. Um, and, and so we started with our, our football stadium. We had to build a brand new one. Uh, the old stadium was built in the 1920s. And uh, it was an old concrete monster that just wasn't – it was not a, applicable to uh, what we have today. Um, we built the new stadium. That was the first peg in, in sort of the, the process. We built an uh, um, indoor facility for our basketball or for our, our football team, uh, a full 100-yard indoor facility with another side 50-yard uh, uh, turf fields for the offensive line. Uh, so that was like phase two. Phase three was renovating our basketball arena. So Hoffines Pavilion uh, was a, a historic building in Houston. And, uh, you know, five slam a jam and all that stuff from the old days. Oh, yeah. But we we raised the money. We then uh, the new the new uh, sort of they basically gutted the whole building and, and rebuilt it from the ground up. And it's amazing. It's an incredible facility to watch about. It's sold out season tickets. You know, it's it's uh, it's a great place to go watch a game. And uh, so then that was the next step today. And, and that helped us get to where we needed to be with the basketball program. You know, we have a top 10 basketball program right now, top five program um, uh, with a final four appearance last year. And then you look at the football program last year, you know, having a one loss season was a great deal. This season's been a little bit tough, but the Cougs are always going to be kind of cyclical like that. That happens. Big picture Cougars are going to the big 12 next year. And now again, like you mentioned, Dave, you have to do these capital campaigns. Houston is doing another one. We're doing the rise uh, 2012, uh, I'm sorry, the, the rise uh, to Big 12, excuse me, rise to Big 12 campaign. And uh, it's a $150 million fundraise that we're doing to build an end zone facility. So in our end zone, we have a, uh, we have sort of an open area so you can see downtown. It's kind of, it's really pretty, but then the, the football indoor facilities right there. So what we're going to do is we're going to close that in and build a brand new football only facility back there behind the, uh, in the end zone that'll have state of the art weight room. It'll have other facilities that are, that are important for sort of getting up to the big 12 and uh, giving your student athletes a, uh, uh, or your football team, the opportunity to perform at their best. And then, the, and then we'll exit our old facility, which is kind of across the street. And then the rest of the sports can take that over and renovate that as well. So it'll it'll improve that. It'll improve all the Olympic sports and all the other sports, as well as uh, what the university is offering us for the football team. So it's, but it's 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 sorry, long story, but it's ne it's kind of a never-ending process. I hate to say it, but you got to continue to compete and you got to elevate your game. 
Um, otherwise, you get left behind. Yeah, and I was telling people that it really needs to be instead of 60, only 60 million, like a $100 million <laughs> campaign to keep up. But also, well, 60 gets you started, right? 60 yeah. gets you going, and then you get people excited, and then you start winning championships. And, you know, you guys have, again, great history at East Carolina. And I, I think, you know, you, you just got to tap into that passion, into that ECU fan passion. No doubt. And one thing you told us about, and I've told, uh, and in fact, we told the people at the Pirate Club about you and about uh, the indoor practice facility is used for tailgating indoors, right? You told us that. Absolutely. You know, in Houston, it gets so hot in September. Yeah. <laughs> you guys like know it gets pretty hot. I mean, look, let, let's just admit we all live in the South and it's it's warm. You know, uh, you start going to those football games in, in September, uh, even here in Houston in October. Um, and, and what you want to do is you want to pr- create an environment for your fans. Sure, there's tailgating out in the parking lot. People love it, you know, all around the stadium. It's just like y'all, you know, we all have the same experience. But, you know, you're going to have some fans that might want to get a little bit of air conditioning. They want to get you know, a little relief for their little kids. So in the indoor facility, they'll put the inflatables in one end and have little, you know, ring toss and football toss and all that stuff for the kids. And then they'll set up a couple of, you know, couple of bars or stations there for folks to, you know, get, get you a cold drink if you want to before the game, relax. And you're in, you know, it's 68 degrees, right? I mean, it's like the perfect situation. Then you head out from there, walk, you know, literally walk up, you know, across the street and you're in the stadium. Bubba, can you can you pony that up? I'm trying really hard to, to get that sixty million. I mean, I know yeah, you, yeah, you know, uh, if I could, I would. I uh, tell you one thing, the Rose. Well, I, would, I would love to be East Carolina's T Boone Pickens. Yeah, if you were, if the Rosenbaums were wealthy. There's no question that we would be light years ahead of where uh, we are. There's some of the best, not only best people, and I'm not just saying that because Bubba's a part of the show, but they're really yeah, no, I'm serious. <laughs> mom and dad, and um, they're they're good people. You want to talk about fans? They travel everywhere. People complain about start times and this, that, and the other. The Rosenbaums will be traveling. Not the Rosenbaums. Yeah, <laughs> we 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 were at Nippert last Friday night. Uh, what a heartbreaker that was! And uh, we'll yeah, we'll certainly talk some more football here in a moment. Yeah, before we talk football too, uh, and I hate to bring it up, but. Bubba and I were going to talk about the tragedy yesterday, uh, about uh, obviously the Marshall tragedy, because we have a tie to that being November 14th, 1970. Um, yes. And after, the, you know, Marshall plays us as the plane crash and some great thing. Uh, it's a it's an unusual kind of tie bond that we have. Um, and uh, anyway, we've had players to talk about. It, so we we're going to talk about that. And then I want to get your take as a former football player about the UVA situation uh, we talked about it last night on our show, but just uh, from a former football player, the big time that you were, you guys, uh, in the old yeah. days of, of the Southwestern Conference. But talk about that, about UVA. I just can't imagine a former football player killing uh, a three teammates. Day. Former teammates. I, I, um, I, I, I'm so saddened by it, and, and I think we all are. We're, you know, football is a big extended family is the way that I've always felt about it. You know, I grew up, you guys know, we've talked about my dad and, you know, and I I grew up in football and my kids are in football and, you know, I've got a son who's a coach in the XFL and I got another kid who's a, he's a, uh, he plays at TCU. He's, he's having a heck of a run this year. And, and and so, you know, but, but that's what football is. That's we, you know, sure. We love our team, but we also can respect our opponents. We can respect our teammates and, and, uh, I, I I have to believe that that this is a you know this is a 
a tragedy that's because of mental illness. It's not because uh, it's people will say all kinds of things, but the truth is, you know, we have to care for our student athletes as humans and as, as people. And we have to do a good job of identifying medical problems, including mental illness. I think we, people overlook mental illness because it's so difficult to identify. And so it's, it's an easy thing to keep for people to ignore and, or to say that other reasons are why it happened. And, uh, I, I, I've been, I'm to my best friends in my life today are my friends that I played football with the guys that, you know, we're all a bunch of 53, 54 year old men. Now we're old guys, gray hair, all this stuff. But, but you know what? I, I can go. Yeah. I, Houston played Memphis and Andre Ware was calling the game for ESPN and Chris Pesman, our athletic director came up and the three of us gave, you know, big, we're all brothers, you know, I mean, we, we played together, we sweated together. We, we cried together. We, we won games. We lost games together. How could you, how could you hurt a teammate? How could you do that to a teammate? Even if you don't like your teammate, you know what? Doesn't matter because guess what? You get time moves on, and then guess what? Yeah, you know what? I was maybe I was a jerk, and I I, I like all my old teammates, so, you know, all hundred plus of them, and and uh, it, it just breaks my heart because it's so um, it's it's a it's a problem that that we got to figure out a way for 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 our country to embrace, you know, understand that mental illness is real. And that it's not something to be uh, scoffed at or snickered at. It's it's real, and and to to take care of our our fellow citizens because it's it's across it's everywhere right now. It's everywhere as we've seen. No doubt about it, and I appreciate uh, your honesty on that, especially when uh, when you're talking about we were talking about that before. It's not Democrat Republican. It's a real issue no. that hopefully we will uh, take seriously right. one day and uh, not slip right. in the rug, so to speak. But uh, speaking right. of Andre Weir, he called the game and. Uh, I appreciate him. If you know him, tell him thank you because we were very <laughs> upset with some of the calls and he was very candid about a two-point conversion and there was different calls that right. were not made. The play-by-play guy even said a uh, home cooking for Cincinnati. So I appreciate <laughs> the fact that um, that's one thing that really hurts is that um, I don't know what it's going to take for – I felt like an NC State fan, but um, they always <laughs> no. <laughs> that was a that was a tough one. That, that, y'all played a great game. I think that you know, and and Dre's a you know he's a he's a pro. He's so uh, so good at broadcasting and and doing what he does. He was a great quarterback too. Oh yeah. Um and and he's a great dude. You guys, I'll tell you, you know, uh, you've got you got uh, yeah. Your record doesn't. Our records might be the same, but I think our years have been very different. I think that that East Carolina has is a great football team. The UCF game says so much to me, you know, the NC State game, uh, you know, I I cried. I I wanted you guys, you know, I'm cheering for you guys, you know, it's a, but that's football, you know, and, 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 and that's, that's what happens. But, but I think you guys have a nucleus and you've got a great team there and, and you've got some, uh, uh, you got some winners and, and that can carry on to next year. That can carry on. No doubt. Talking about a winner, and uh, this guy has played an awful lot of football. Um, that's Clayton Toon. He's already thrown for over 3,000 yards, uh, 30 touchdowns, um, as opposed to just, I think, eight picks. And then uh, he's also ran for in excess of 400 yards and is the team's leading rusher. And talk about the season that Clayton's having. Um, you know, so so what I'll tell you about Clayton Toon is is – uh, in in October, he eclipsed 10,000 passing yards at the wow. University of Houston. He he moved into the top three behind 
Case Keenum and Kevin Cobb. So he's in a he is a rare quarterback in an elite elite group up there. When you when I can talk about the top three quarterbacks and I don't mention Andre Ware or David Klingler, you know that's a special number and that's a special group of quarterbacks. So he's you know Clayton's a tough kid. Uh, we we've talked about this a couple of, you know through the years. He got injured the past two seasons. Two years ago it was it was his left hamstring and last year it was his right hamstring. So he wasn't perfect the past two years. And so he's really struggled through last year. He, he, he sucked it up. He played a lot of people didn't know, it, but he, he had a hammy all season long and he, but he gutted it out. He toughed it out. And, uh, and, and what he did is he became a great pocket passer last year is what he did. You translate that to this year and he's the total package. Now he can, he can break the pocket if he needs to, but he's also patient enough to sit in there and throw the football and, you know, I think that, you know, I, I ha- hate to have to even reference it, but that the SMU game, he really took command on the offensive side of the ball. And really, if Houston could have just had like three stops, we would have won the game, but we couldn't stop anything. <laughs> I mean, yeah. literally, they scored seven, SMU scored seven times in a row, Dave, Bubba, like seven in a row, seven possessions in a row. So I, I don't think I've ever seen that in my life. And I played in some wacky games too. So it's, um, He's a, he's a field general. He's uh, he's coming into his own, very confident, great touch on the ball, can throw the deep ball as well as anybody right now. Um, you know, that that game-winning pass he threw to Matthew Golden this past week. It shouldn't have come down to the you know, the end of the game, but uh but he took he took charge. That's what he does. And one thing I want to mention too, um first of all, Ted, two things. One, if he doesn't make it in your Hall of Fame at University of Houston, I don't know who does. <laughs> number one, uh, oh, yeah, I didn't know. He, I knew he was already there. I didn't know it was that elite company until you just told me. I didn't know it was. The, I knew it was a lot of yards. But the other thing yeah. I'm looking forward to is, if you're a college football fan, this is probably one of the most underrated games. And you say Dave, but you take Holt Nailers versus him. Holt Nailers, two two great quarterbacks. It's like a heavyweight fight, so to speak. And I hate to like hype it up a lot, but it's like, you know how in the NFL they'll say Aaron Rodgers against Tom Brady. Um, it's kind of like that for us in college football, especially in our conference. These are probably arguably the, wouldn't you say the two best quarterbacks in the league? They've got to be right up there. Two best quarterbacks in the league, best running back. You guys have the best running back in the league. Um, you've got, you know, uh, I mean, there's so many things that we can talk about. The history of our two universities and the history, this, this is, the, I, I think they're going to, we will, you and I will be talking in five years or 10 years about was the, was the Ehlers against Toon matchup better than the Keenum against, uh, uh, and I'm drawing a complete blank here against. Uh, Patrick Pinkney. Pinkney, yeah. No, after Pinkney, it was the, the, the quarterback from Houston. Shane Carden. Actually. Shane Carden. Carden. Shane Carden. Gosh, sorry about that, Dave. That was, that, I blew that one. I should have wrote, written it down. But anyway, yeah, the Shane Carden Case Keenum games. I mean, wow. You know, so so this is a matchup that that's worthwhile. Uh, your fans hopefully are going to be hyped up. This is a great. I mean, this is like this is the kind of game you're gonna you're gonna see some fireworks. You're gonna see some offense, um, and you know, sort of buckle up. Let's see what happens. This is Bubba like the Wild Wild West, right? I mean, you have. I mean, you have Houston. We're not in the West, obviously, or the Southwest Conference, but, man, a lot of points. <laughs> Video game numbers, I think, right. on Saturday. And it's, it's, rattling, yeah. off, 
rattling off some of these uh, offensive numbers uh, for for uh, both of these teams and the the skill guys. Uh, obviously, the Pirates have very talented and proven receivers like Isaiah Winstead and C.J. Johnson. But uh, tell us about a guy you talk about how um, the quarterback matchup involves probably the two best quarterbacks in the league. Uh, tell us about Nathaniel Dell, one of his top – or not one of uh, his top targets. So, so the thing you got to know about Nathaniel Dell first off is don't let his size fool you. Everyone's going to look at his size and they're going to be like, oh, he's 5'10", 185. Come on, man. Like, that guy's – he's tiny. So he goes by the nickname of Tank. So, so when, when I hear Nathaniel, I almost forget, like, who he is. It's Tank Dell. And let me tell you about Tank Dell. Tank Dell is probably one of the most unique, explosive receivers that you're going to see in college football. He has the ability to go full speed and, like, 4-4 four, four speed at full speed and stop on a dime and then reaccelerate to full speed within three steps, four steps. His his stop and go ability is is unique. It's uh, it's so rare I can't compare him to anybody. He he looks a little bit like Marquez Stevenson who plays with the Buffalo Bills, played at Houston, but Marquez was like six feet tall. So this guy's even smaller. And what he does, you'll notice he'll catch the ball, and it looks like that DB's got a bead on him. It's going to hurt him. And at the last second, he'll like do a little like a basketball move, like a pivot, like he's going to go behind the back, like dribble behind the back. And, and so it glances the hit, and they nobody gets a good hit on him. Nobody can hit this kid. Now, he's had a couple – he's taken a couple hits for sure, you know, over the middle, deep stuff and all that kind of thing. But but his his short game uh, ball control possession catches are unbelievable. And uh, normally I would never say a kid that's uh, – you know, 75, 10, 185 has got a chance in the NFL. This guy's going to be in the NFL. He's too unique. He's that kind of a guy. He's got that unique talent that's just – Incredible. And I know you said you could not think of someone to compare him to, so it's probably a stupid question. But for longtime <laughs> Pirate fans, since you referenced Case Keenum, um, one of his top targets was Tyron Carrier, um, and he was a smaller receiver. Are yeah, any comparisons no, there? Tyron, so yeah, uh, Tyron, great guy. He's a coach, by the way. He coaches. Uh, he coached uh, at Houston for a little while. Coach at West Virginia. He's with the. Uh, he's at Texas A&M Commerce right now, playing uh, or coaching the receivers there. Great guy. Tyron was. Uh, Tyron was a track guy, and and he he had a great indoor track career, and and ran. He was really a track guy first. So it, when you think about Tyron, you're thinking about that kind of top end speed. And that's why he was such an incredible return man. Tyron was, he had like, I think he probably tied for all time kick returns at Houston before Marcus Jones got here last year. So Marcus blew everybody's records out. But um, but Tyron was that kind of guy. Tank's even different than him. I'm telling you, Tank is, you'll see what I mean, Bubba. When you see when you see okay. Tank Dell out on the field, he's small. And you're like, you're going to look at him you're like, this kid? But man, I'm telling you, he's crazy what he can do. And he, he never drops a pass. That's the other thing. He catches everything. That's very important. We have a lot of uh, receivers, you know, like in the college level, that they, they're more worried about the hit or they're more worried about the yards after the catch. The first thing you have to do is catch the ball. That's um, right. No doubt about it. The uh, one thing I will say is uh, hopefully for East Carolina's sake, the biggest Achilles heel has been special teams this year. Um, we even had uh, 
the run back for a touchdown, they didn't call a block in the back, but you know, American officials, I could comment on it. Coach Houston was uh to say livid, he was the most out of character I've ever seen him. Um yeah. and uh, for the Cincinnati game. But um special teams has been really hurting us, especially one thing, Ted, that you can mention on the broadcast, you can share if you want, is the holder, Luke Larson has the same number as that drives me crazy, hold another show, as they say, Holton Ehlers, he's number twelve. He's the punter. And why in the world he's done it all year long? You can talk about it. I don't care. You can use my name. But he literally is spinning the ball around for laces when they kick. So when he kicks, now we're on our second kicker, and he's doing the same thing. I'm like, why in the world do you keep doing that? The kid is 30 years old. Like, I mean, there's no excuses for spinning the ball around for where all of a sudden the kicker's singing the, the Kicking laces. laces. Yeah, I don't want to make excuses, but that's been that's it's been look. A, it's it's a real deal, Dave. You're bringing up something that is a that is a challenge for coaches, right? Starts off, the, you know, coaches. I'm sure get very frustrated. Um, you know, he, he's trying he's trying to do the right thing, but you know, it's really about how holding's a really weird thing to be. And well, first off, kickers are strange, and holders are even stranger, right? Like they're goofy guys, and and I mean this with the bottom of my heart. Like you know, I I. Uh, one of my best buddies in college was our kicker, Roman Anderson, and I'm great friends with the former football player at University of Houston, Billy Ray uh, or uh, uh, Chuck Brown. His brother's Billy Ray Brown, who played in the PGA for years. And Chuck will tell you, he's like, the two weirdest people in the world are kickers and professional golfers. They're weird. They're just weird guys, right? Anyway, so, uh, but, you know, the, the thing about that, it, it's, it, there's a, there is a technique, but, but it's, if you're not, um, I think quarterbacks are better holders than punters is what my theory is. And I would even say that a receiver might be a better holder than punter. Really? But today, today it seems like everybody has their punters holding. Everybody does. I don't know. I, can, I just can't understand it. But it, I'm with you on that. It, it can make the difference uh, in the world for a kicker. And, and, you know, extra points aren't even gimmies anymore. So I don't know. Get, get this. So um, East Carolina – the only game that we were truly not in is the team, you know, uh, of Tulane being in our conference. Tulane. That game, we were Ugh. not our – that's not our um, – that's not a, a game. We, we'd love to have that game back. But the state game, we lose by one point. We lose by three in overtime to Navy. We lose in regulation by two points to Cincinnati. So it's it's crazy how, like you were saying, it's it's been very frustrating. And if you look at it, um, two of those three games came down to kicks – um, so, right. and when you don't, you know, the mechanics, I don't know the mechanics. I'm not trying to be a coach, uh, even though I've coached high school ball, I've never coached college, never played at the level you have or Bubba. Um, so I don't like, I'm not trying to judge. It's just frustrating to see how close we are from literally a nine and one season to a six and four. It's that, that razor. It's thing. that close. It is. It's that, it literally is like, you know, if the laces are here, if they're on the, if they're even not even a hundred percent on the side, if they're just three quarters, that gives still gives enough, enough for the foot to get on it and not have to push it. And, but uh, yeah. No, that's, it's, that's been the biggest thing for us this year. I think Blake Carroll's <laughs> done a nice job with the defense. Our defense, you know, used to be where we, we'd have to score uh, in the Lincoln Riley days, as much as we love Lincoln Riley, the defense we really had, to score a lot of points. If not, we were going to, it was going to be a, a tough, a tough day sure. for us. And um, Blake Harrell has been great for us. I think it's third season now. Um, so the defense has been good, but what about you guys? Uh, 
as far as the defense is concerned, I, I don't want to bring up a tough topic, but um, <laughs> we, we know as Pirate fans, we know about uh, tough what defense is that um, you have to score a lot of points. So what do you have to do um, to improve the defense? You know, Houston's going to have to figure out a pass, uh, a pass defensive plan for this week. And um, they, the Cougars have, they're just beat up on defense. They, you know, they're missing six starters right now. So, you know, there's no excuses, but, um, and, and even last week, uh, you know, they, they, they took it on the chin with, uh, you know, having uh, the nickelback was, was injured last week. So, so we had to start a guy who's never started before, you know, so, um, I, I think the, the the big picture is that the the pass rush and the, the front seven is going to kind of dictate the pace of play. And Doug Belk likes to pressure the quarterback. He likes to find ways to get to the quarterback, whether it's through zone blitzes or or outright. Uh, you know, he'll come. He'll bring six if he needs to. The question is, like, how much pressure do you want to put on your back end, right? And when you're going against a quarterback that's completing 68% of his passes and averages 20 TDs and almost 300 yards a game in Holton Ehlers, you got to be careful because you're not going after some, some chump. You're going after a guy that can, has, you know, he's proven that he's tough under pressure and, uh, and he's not a small guy. So he's not going to fall down. Like if you just touch him, he's not going to fall down. So I, th- I think it's going to be a tall task. I, Doug Belk's a great guy. He's done a great job uh, over the past couple of years here. This year's been tough. His his team is beat up, no question about it. And so they need I, I, that front seven's going to have to get after the quarterback, get back to the way they used to play defense, where they don't have to pressure. They don't need that. If, if you can pressure the quarterback without bringing five, six, or whatever, then you're in good shape. If you always are bringing six, you're exposing your back end, and that's going to be the, that's going to be the hard part. No doubt with uh, with the game, uh, very excited about it, especially um, one of the questions I had for you because I enjoy having you on so much is the fact that is there any way that we can keep our series going? I've been telling folks, <laughs> yeah, Houston, Cincinnati are like between Conference USA, Independent, um, oh, yeah. Conference USA, American. They love to keep the series going, and I especially not only for um, football, but also obviously for basketball, too. Basketball too. Yeah. I, I hope so. I hope we can find a way to, to keep it going. I know that Houston's going to be, um, you know, they'll, they'll have two, I think, or three slots open for non-conference. I, I'm not sure exactly. Next year's going to be a little bit weird because Texas and uh, Texas is still in an OU are still in the conference. So uh, it's, it's going to be great. I mean, we're excited about that. Don't get me wrong, but um, it's going to be a little weird. So, but I think once the, once we get into our regular rhythm and, and our normal conference opponents and, and uh, it'll, it'll hopefully free up uh, some, some time for us to renew our old rivalry, our friendly, you know, good old East Carolina, Houston, let's go. Let's see what we can go. That'll be great. Well, maybe one of these days we'll win a lot of games and they'll add us to, uh, to help out with the East side of, with all the teams with, Cincinnati, you have UCF now, West Virginia. I like it. Well, I was uh, <laughs> what was what was uh, uh, I'm hearing the echo. I'm hearing the echo. Um, as far uh, as the SMU thing, do you think SMU gets in? But being that there, you guys already are, um, you already have uh, with Texas Christian. I mean, there's I don't know if they get in or not, which I like them, but I I, I don't know if yeah. they. They're another one that comes to mind with the old Southwestern Conference days if they would get in the Big Twelve. 
It's tough to say. I mean, um, you know, the, the the schools, as friendly as we are, and maybe all of us that have kids and, you know, my dad went to A&M, I went to Houston, my, you know, my mom went to TCU, my son goes to TCU, you know, it, that's, that's the way it is in Texas. Like everybody goes to all the competitive schools, right? And that's, that's what makes it great. But they don't play very nicely to each other when they're negotiating conference deals is what I've what I've learned through the years, Dave. And that, you know, where uh, we help like when we got originally got in the Southwest Conference so way back, Texas helped us get in. Right. They wanted Houston. in, And then when it came time for Houston to try to get in uh, a few years ago, they kept us out. They blocked us. They blocked us multiple times, even at the state legislature. So so, you know. Uh, I don't have a lot of love lost for Texas. I really celebrated when TCU beat them this past weekend. I was happy for my son and uh, all that stuff. When you talk about TCU and SMU, you're kind of talking mortal enemies right there. Like they don't yeah. like each other at all. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I can't begrudge TCU if they want to block that from happening. I, I, I understand. I get it. I've been on the other side. I've been on the block side, so I know what it's like. But uh, it would be great. I, you know, I'm like I said, Southwest Conference, I thought was the greatest conference ever. Did we fight each other? Yes. Did we have bad blood? Yes. But that's what made it so great was you played that kid in high school and now I play him in college. You know what I mean? It was the, it was that kind of a thing. And and uh, yeah, it would be great. Some kind of we're going to get to super, the other thing is we're going to get to super conferences. It's going to happen. 16 teams. It's it, you know, it's going to happen. So the the question is when. And we'll see. Another team uh, to add is obviously Memphis too. They're another one that yeah. I wonder if they have a have a shot being their geography, you know, with their basketball uh, would be great for the Big Twelve. Um, sometimes yeah. they, sometimes their football program is good, and sometimes it's right. it's kind of like hit or miss. Um, but uh, they're another one that and Tulane. I don't know if they would or not, but um, I guess that's another show we'll never know until <laughs> that happens. But uh, did you see the? By the way, another thing I know you guys are leaving the conference, but conference, but also on the schedule. Speaking of scheduling, uh, the new American schedule came out last week, and there are a lot of us that are not uh, to say that we're not happy is an understatement. With um, not having East and West conference uh, divisions, yeah, I'm um, surprised by that. Uh, yeah, like I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, but it was uh, very disappointing to say the least. Yeah, I was surprised that they didn't do the East-West. I think it it's a um, – <clears throat> I think they're trying to – they want to give TV more options, I think, is probably what they want to do, and give TV the opportunity to help dictate uh, matchups and all that kind of stuff. So it's a – I don't know. I'm just speculating there. But I, I think that, that uh, it's it's a bummer. It's definitely a bummer because that you get those natural sort of – East-West, you know, rivalry, you kind of get your local rivals and then you go play each other in a conference championship. And, and you know, it, I think that's been good for, by the way, I think for Houston, it was good to have UCF over in the East, right? I thought that was good. You know, they were, we rotate through and we get them every, you know, every two years, whatever it is, but uh, at home. But uh, yeah, it was, it was, I, I was surprised. No doubt about it. You know, with us, with, uh, we're talking about that with um, maybe one day, maybe one day we'll get in. It's just been very, um, it's been very tough. And um, you guys know how it feels like, well, I'll say with conference you, I say it was kind of like a whole bunch of independent <laughs> schools coming together because to form a conference. Uh, so. Yeah, exactly. 
That's right. Yeah, no, it, it, Conference USA was – we made the best of it. We all did. We all made the absolute best of it. Um, um, we, 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 we fought through, we fought but, through uh, but uh, I'm glad you got – I'm glad, glad we both, both out of there. Now, Ted, let's take – going back to this matchup this weekend, and we talk about the improvement of the Pirate defense and how it's – Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's, it's the best defense that we've had at East Carolina since the Skip Holtz years, uh, no doubt about it. And um, what's, what that has allowed this football team and program to do. Um, so with what you've seen of Blake Harrell's defense and uh, what you've seen of the Houston uh, Houston offense, I, 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 I think I saw what you've allowed about 18 or 19 sacks. Uh, so um, you know, how is that offensive line protected? Uh, because I I know that uh, Clayton Toon is the leading rusher with just over 400 yards. Right, right. It's crazy, Bubba, that our quarterback is our leading rusher, right? I mean, that, that doesn't sound right, especially if we're a passing team, considering how much passing we've been doing. But, but yeah, it just kind of shows you the unfortunate situation with our backfield. Um, you know, we had Alton McCaskill, who was our super freshman last year, tore his knee up in in train or in uh, spring ball so he had an ACL and so he's missed the season and and so it's been sort of trying to figure out who could step in and, and help out so you you know you had kind of the combination of, of Brandon Campbell and Stacy Sneed who's been kind of the the sort of the puncher versus the runner Stacy Sneed's a smaller quicker back uh, has really carried the the load recently because Brandon Campbell's been a little bit dinged up Brandon Campbell is a transfer from uh, – he's from Houston, the Houston area from Clear Lake, but he, he transferred back from uh, – he spent a year out at USC. Um, but, you know, I, I'm a numbers guy, right? So when I look at the rushing defense that ECU, you guys are – you know, you've given up three and a half – or 3.5 uh, yards per rush, only 120 a game. I mean, that's – you know, you've given up nine rushing TDs. That's solid defense. That's solid football. Uh, nothing to be, uh, you know uh, – you know, nothing to be uh, bad, uh, unhappy with there. And I think that, you know, that you've got that. You've also got a pass defense that's pretty strong, uh, you know, 260 yards per game, something like that. But, you know, to me, Houston's Houston has to focus on themselves when it comes to offense because they've got the ability to execute. They have a really well-oiled machine um, that, that if they're smart and they play discipline when Houston gets in trouble is when they have big time penalties. And I mean like offsides, holding all those stupid penalties that frustrate everybody. You guys only have 31 yards of penalties. Uh, the pirates only have 31 yards of penalties per game. Houston has over 75, basically 74.9. So 75 yards per game in penalties. And that's not sustainable for the Cougs. It really comes down to the past couple of weeks. They've got it under control. They've got it under discipline. They've been very disciplined, Bubba. But, uh, you know, so if Houston, if they self-destruct, that combined with a good ECU defense is going to make it diffi more difficult for Houston to be successful. So those so things, they've got to keep control over that. And you talk about that discipline, and in addition to the Pirates having been very disciplined, um, just 30 yards per penalties per game uh, over the last four games uh, since that loss at Tulane, East Carolina has not turned the football over. Uh, meanwhile, they forced seven turnovers, so plus seven against the toughest part of the schedule against you know, Memphis, UCF, BYU, and Cincinnati. I'm telling you, 
that's that's why I'm like this season. I, I look at East Carolina's year and I look at Houston's year, and we got the same record, six and four. But I mean, you guys beat a good BYU team. Like that that says a lot to me right there. A UCF team, like UCF, that's a big win, you know. So so like the reality is is that Houston's got their hands full every week because of the injuries and because of the problems. It's just kind of you know, usually at the end of the season, teams are really kind of beat up and dinged up. I don't see that with East Carolina. I see a healthy team, I see a good team, and I see a team that's kind of on the rise right now and not a team that's struggling. So I you know I, you know I shoot you straight, shoot you guys. Straight, like, guys. You like, guys are looking you guys good. are looking good. In UCF on you referenced the Knights and how that win impressed you. The the Knights and Cougars are explosive offenses, but in different ways. Uh, UCF, yes, they can throw the football well, but it's more so with the run uh, and what they do there with um, John Rice Plumley, Mikey Keene, and a lot of skill talent uh, with Houston. It's more so throwing the football, as we've uh, discussed already. Uh, East Carolina, in that game against UCF, they really controlled the football, kept it out of um, the night hands, and when they when UCF uh, did have the football, they, the Pirates forced four turnovers. Uh, where does I know I uh, reference Clayton Toon with eight picks? Uh, how how many times uh, have the Cougars turned it over uh, uh, via fumble? Yeah, you know, so the Cougars are doing well on fumbles. It it hasn't been a year of big fumbling because Clayton is our primary rusher right now. Clayton Toon is the is the leading rusher on the team, and because we've had sort of multiple running backs in the backfield, they really there hasn't been that risk that you would normally see on a team. I, I just think it comes down to how you look at, um, you know, the, the interception thing. Clayton's been really accurate. I know that he's he's had a few interceptions, but like it, over the past two weeks, I, you know, personally, I look at them and I see a receiver tipping a ball right into the hands of the defender two weeks in a row. That kind of thing can't happen. You can't do that. And and when it becomes a habit, it's kind of like, OK, I'm not going to blame that on Clayton. Clayton put the ball in his hands like, you know, so you see things like that. You can kind of understand how the turnovers happen. I don't think the turnover thing is going to be something that I think both teams are disciplined on turnovers. To me, that's that's not going to be something that that uh, I'm worried about with Houston. But I also know that ECU is pretty safe with the football. The things that I look at when I'm when I'm kind of breaking down a game, I, I look at sort of your, you know, how many yards are you giving up on offense? How many yards are you giving up on defense? Average per play, all those types of things. Here's an interesting stat for you, Bubba. That I, you know, kind of, I kind of see it as really curious. So ECU on the pass side, ECU gives up 11.6 yards per catch. Houston averages 11.6 yards per catch. Things like that kind of stick out to me when I'm trying to compare. So what does that mean? Does that mean that if if ECU gives up what they average, is Houston got – do they have the advantage? Because Houston averages that and Houston has, you know – these are the things that you got to figure out. How does how does that tip the scale in one direction or another? And, and I think you kind of take – you know, it, I'm looking at the offense, of the, especially the past stats, and they're very, very similar like that. I think you just say, look, it's a wash. It's an absolute wash. And what you got to see is discipline and you got to see execution. The teams that execute the best with the fewest number of mistakes are going to win. And that's why I brought up the penalties thing. Houston's been a little sloppy early in the season. They've gotten a lot better. Houston was averaging like 100 yards per game in penalties for the first few weeks. It was unbelievable. They've got it down now under control. But still, that to me can be a difference maker. And then, of course, special teams. 
you know, don't forget special teams. Tank Dell is a dangerous return man. Keep an eye on this uh, young man, Matthew Golden, number 10, true freshman. He's a very dangerous return man as well. One thing I want to mention is this is Bubba pointed this out, so I'm giving him credit, not me, Ted, because he's a numbers guy. Uh, remember <laughs> where I went to school, Ted. Um, but the, uh, <laughs> the last four games, East Carolina has not turned over the ball, and we're plus seven in the turnover um, margin there with the uh, with, with the last four teams we played. And um, that's to, for those that don't know East Carolina football, um, that's a huge victory for us right there uh, to have a plus seven in the last four games. Takeaways are huge. Takeaways give, you know, think about every takeaway. It's it's so much a part of football today. It's it's become so important because it's another shot for your, shot, your offense. Your it's offense. another it's shot. another shot, you know. The Pirates have been very tough defensively in the red zone. Um, you referenced that NC State game. I know you're familiar with yeah. the goal line stands in that one. They kept the Pirates in it and um, allowed them to nearly come out on top against the Wolfpack. But uh, what's the Cougars? Um, yes, they've they've struggled uh, defensively on the whole. Uh, so uh, has that been also the same in the red zone? Yeah, you know the yeah, Cougars you know, are, kind of, are a, kind of a they're kind of all over the map. It's been it's been an interesting. Um, I guess, you know, you kind of, you kind of look at, at their, what they'll do, um, you know, offensively, the, the, you know, red zone scores, the Cougars are, are, are pretty strong right now. And, and you kind of, you, you, they're up in the 90% range. It's, it's somewhere around, uh, you know, 44 out of 50 attempts, something like that is where their red zone scores are. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, and, and their total sort of their, their red zone touchdowns, is it like almost 70%? Now, again, let's not forget that, you know, that SMU game with the 63 points is going to kind of change things a little bit on your math there. But overall, the Cougars do a really good job in the red zone. That's why I'm saying, I, I you know, I, I feel like these are two really evenly matched teams, Bubba. I feel like I know you guys have a strong defense. You guys have done a good job in the red zone. Houston's defense is pretty strong in the red zone too, by the way. They, you know, they're, they're uh, you know, they're holding teams out. So, it's it's always the the these matchups that are really well balanced like this. It, you got to look for that third that one thing that's that's different or that one thing that stands out. And and uh, I'm not sure there is a single thing. I think that you know it, it's going to be a quarterback battle. Like let's be honest, you got two great quarterbacks. Which guy is going to be the man? It's going to be one of the two. Uh, so you've got that side of it. You got mistakes. You keep the mistakes. You know, is it going to be a mistake free game? Is it going to be a heavy a heavy Game with heavy mistakes, all that kind all of that thing. Kind so, of thing. so that's kind of where I'm, kind of where I'm, where I'm, I'm kind, of kind of leaning towards those towards things, those things and, and, and less and towards, your towards your third down conversion, red zone conversion, or all those, or all those, those are important those stats, are important too. stats too. But I, I think but the teams I, I think are pretty, the teams balanced, are pretty there. balanced there. Ted, you mentioned how the Cougs have six starters out, and and uh, that's something that has obviously been a, a tall task to overcome. Um, but uh, can you? Be more specific there. Um, you know, what positions are those guys? Has sure. it primarily been on the defensive side? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Uh, so the receiving core, even though we still have Tank Dell, uh, Matthew Golden was injured for a couple of weeks. He had a rib cage uh, injury. Um, Houston also had a, a, a young man to transfer, Joseph Manjack from USC, uh, played receiver at USC last year, uh, went to Tomball High School, which is in North Houston. 
decided to come home. So we actually had two kids from USC transfer to come to Houston, which was awesome. Guys that are Houston kids that are coming home. Manjack made a one-handed catch in that first game of the season. He's a big explosive guy, kind of a possession guy, but really a, a great receiver. And we lost him for the season. So a guy like that, you, you just can't replace that, right? So so Houston's been working hard uh, with their two, with their number twos and their number threes. Uh, they've, they've had great production recently out of their tight end crew. Um, they, they'll come in with two tight ends from time to time. But, you know, I, I think that uh, you, you, you think about this receiving core that Houston has, and you've got an unflappable Tank Dell, number one. You've got um, you got Matthew Golden, I mentioned him, number 10. You're going to see another guy, number eight, Keyshawn Carter. He's kind of an unsung hero in this offense because he's a big possession guy. He's a big guy, uh, about six feet tall, uh, has great hands. And then another guy that's a transfer from West Virginia, Sam Brown, is has really emerged over the past two weeks as a big-time playmaker. He had double-digit double catches against SMU, so uh, – that's kind of been the, the – those are the highlight guys that you're going to see a lot coming from in the game. And, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, running back, you know, I think I mentioned Brandon Campbell and, and uh, talking about Stacey Sneed. Uh, Tazon Henry, who uh, got er, uh, injured early in the season, number four, he's been a great back for us the past couple of years, transfer from Texas Tech. Uh, he got injured, but he's back as well. So, you know, three back rotation right now in the backfield but those key receivers that I mentioned are the guys that are playmakers. And Ted, uh, one final thing I have for you. I know you've been generous for your time tonight. Appreciate it as always. Coach Logan was talking about former East Carolina head football coach was talking about the summer. Uh, he did a, a interview, a radio interview, a local interview, and he was talking about the very fact of how our team now reminds of when he was coaching because every single game is going to come down to the fourth quarter fourth quarter game come come down to the final possession like sounds like coach speak Um, but (laughs) about that and it's funny how he's a very smart man but it's funny how our seasons played out that way very similarly yeah it is I mean I think that uh uh you know not to sound like the big whiner but man injuries get you and and uh the injury thing has been has been tough I think that um that D line that Houston started the season with looks completely different right now than it did. So uh, really lost it. Uh, uh, just lost some guys that were, you know, leaders out there and, and it's hard to replace the upperclassmen when they, when they get hurt as well. So I think, you know, with, if you, if you look at the two teams, we're a pretty good mirror image of each other in, in many ways. And I think that, uh, I think that you guys probably have the edge a little bit defensively right now. And I think that uh, Houston might have a passing advantage, but those are the only advantages on each other that I can call out. You know, maybe, maybe we haven't talked much about special teams. That's something we could kick up here, but uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty evenly matched game. game. Yeah. That's you read my mind, Ted. That's where I was heading next on Dave referenced from the pirate special teams, how we did allow a kickoff return for a touchdown uh, on Friday against Cincinnati. Uh, even though we did get clipped and you know, blocked right in the middle of the back uh, with the guy breaking down to make a tackle, but still should have made the play. And um, the PAT field goal team has been the primary source of our special teams woes. Uh, and then a time or two on the, the punt team uh, has caused some – or been a cause for some concern as well. But uh, tell us about those UH special teams. 
Yeah, so, you know, I mentioned uh, Houston has a nickelback named Jace Rogers, and he was injured last week. He couldn't play, unfortunately. He's also a big-time return man for the University of Houston. So Jace is um, – he, he he's – He's kind of the explosive guy. He has a uh, kickoff return for a touchdown this year. He he's uh, uh, has returned averages 40 yards per return. He's kind of a big play guy. As I mentioned, also, I mentioned that Matthew Golden uh, is a uh, he's a true freshman receiver, but he's doing pretty well. He's averaging 23 yards per return. Uh, but then you start looking at punt returns and it's really Tank Dell. Tank Dell is the guy at, at you know, the, rec- the receiver. Um, he's uh, he's. He's dangerously explosive, averages about 12 yards per return. Um, his longest is 35. He's waiting to break one. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it starts with the return game. Um, the other thing I would say is, you know, uh, Houston's had pretty experienced with overtimes this year. Um, I've seen more onside kicks recovered than I've ever seen in my life <laughs> by, uh, by Houston. They've got a tight end named Christian Trahan. Who's six, uh, six four, 245, and he's that he's that jumper guy on the on the onside kick. I think he's caught. I think we've had four this year that we've recovered. Um, so uh, you know, you kind of think about that in your special teams mix up, um, and and you know, then you start looking at at, at your kickers, right? And and uh, I talked a little bit earlier about kickers, and and uh, Houston's got a good punter in Lane Wilkins. He's an Australian rules style punter, so and and he's from he's an Aussie. So he's an older guy, um, but uh, he's a little different because a lot of the Aussie punters like to do the the backward spiral, kind of like that kick. But he Lane can literally put his foot into it. His longest kick of the year is about 67 yards. So he's he's no uh, stranger to some big punts. Houston's had two kickers that have kicked this year, by the way, Kyle Ramsey and Bubba Boxa. And Bubba's a transfer from uh, from uh, University of Miami down in Florida. And, uh, you know, so. Uh, it, we'll see, right? Special teams, Special teams is, a, is, a, is a critical, critical component, of, component the of the game, and, uh, and uh, it, 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 I, I feel good I, about, I feel the good about the special, teams. special teams. And Johnny Robertson chimes in on Facebook uh, saying he will not miss Marcus Jones. <laughs> Marcus Jones was a special talent. He uh, he's with the New England Patriots. Actually, he's playing uh, playing for Bill Belichick. That's that should say a little bit about Marcus Jones. No doubt about it. It's going to be great. I tell you what, this game has got a lot going for it. Obviously, disappointed that it was not on uh, one of the linear networks for ESPN uh, for ESPN yeah. Plus. I'm not a snob. Uh, we have a lot of people in the fan base that don't understand streaming. I'm not that guy. But <laughs> as far as the two programs, I'll just say for ESPN, I thought it was a little disrespectful considering, especially the I two agree. quarterback uh, play. Uh, you guys, uh, I love the radio broadcast, so, you know, I'm a radio guy, so I'm going to be – the what there I do go. is I have the TV sound turned down and I listen <laughs> to the radio broadcast, and it, it drives people crazy that know me because they're like, the play is not synced up. And I said, well, you can do it certain ways where you can, but uh, <laughs> how can people um, – before we let you go, how can people listen to your broadcast? And, again, thank you so much for spending like an hour with us plus – yeah, no, of course, man. You guys are awesome. Anytime, for sure. Now, so uh, so uh, the uh, Learfield Houston IMG Network is um, is streamed on the Varsity Network. It's an app, free app. You can download and listen to the game for free. Um, if you're in H-Town, you can listen to me on AM 950 KPRC uh, AM radio. And 
Or follow or me, follow on, me on, on social media, social media at party time, party underscore time. Ted, we did have one more question for you from uh, from yep. Conan uh, on YouTube. Uh, just uh, addressing Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati moving on to the Big 12. Uh, very quickly, where do you see them uh, in the pecking order in that league next year? Um. That's a great question. That's actually a great question. I think that um, I've seen a lot of Big 12 football this year because my son plays, uh, as I mentioned, my son is a quarterback at TCU. So I've seen a lot of their football games. Um, You know, Big 12 is good football. Houston played a great game against Texas Tech this past year. Texas Tech has had an up and down season. They looked red hot at the beginning of the year. Um, We should have, I mean, Houston should have beaten them. Over time, we gave up fourth and 21, if you can believe that. We gave up a first down on fourth and 21. Um, but, uh, you know, it, the first year's – look, I'm going to be a realist. I think the first year is going to be a little bouncy uh, for for all three schools. I think that uh, Cincy and Houston are both down this year. I thought that UCF was okay this year, but uh, I, I'm, you know, I think they're just showing that they're regular. They're human too, like everybody else, right? It's the end of the season. You're, you're dinged up. Um, but I think that ultimately, uh, and I'll throw BYU in there. I think ultimately it's going to strengthen that league. I think that next year is going to be an interesting year because uh, Texas and Oklahoma are still there. Oklahoma's in trouble right now, guys. Like if they can't hang in their own conference, own conference what are they going to do? Are they do, they do SEC. But, uh, but uh, Houston, 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 we've beaten Oklahoma before. We beat them in Houston a couple of years back. You know, Houston was not afraid of anybody. But uh, it's, I'm just glad that, that Houston's going to be back in the conversation again and uh, finally get to play those old rivals that we used to have back when I was playing. It's going to be great. Thank you, Ted, so much. And hopefully we can play uh, um, an old conference foe in uh, Houston very soon. Thank you so much. Hope to see you on Absolutely. Saturday. Thank you for your time tonight, man, as always. Always, Dave. You and Bubba are the best. Thanks, guys. You are. Good night. Bye-bye. Appreciate Ted very much uh, there. I know he spent a lot of time with Bubba, but uh, that's why we love having him on. He does a great job uh, there with Houston Radio and uh, being uh, as the analyst and uh, very excited for this game. By the way, um, last week I checked in with the ticket office They'd sold over 40,000 a week ago more. That's tickets sold. So let's see if we can, I don't know where it is now. If I had a guess right now, Bubba, you're the numbers guy. I'm going to go with uh, the average. I'm going to say we're at 43,000 and some change. I hope it's more than that. But that's where I'm going with how many tickets are sold. And we still have a few days to go. So if there's any way possible, we could get like 45, 47,000 in that range. Um, is what I'm hoping for. But um I will say 43,000 uh, tickets sold. I don't know how that translates to butts and seats, but um, certainly we'll, we'll be at our average uh, come Saturday. Again, get your tickets, ecupirates.com. Or you can call 1-800-DIAL-ECU and talk to our good friends there. Uh, Coleman Spain, appreciate him. In fact, uh, you know, Bubba, we were talking about, let's make Coleman have a very stressful week. And he would be the first to tell you that he takes pride in his work and, Selling out tickets. He does a great job. Uh, ACU alum and all the folks there in the ticket office, they do a wonderful job. Let's give them a stressful week. Let's sell out the place. I would love that for senior day. Think about Holt Nailers, all the great seniors who could have transferred. They could go in other places, but they stayed with us. 
and uh, through thick and thin. So uh, let's do that and uh, celebrate that. All right. All so, right, so well, let's go well, to let's the Yeah, Mike Houston, as well as some of the seniors, Holton Aylers, Miles Berry, Xavier Smith met with the media uh, today, um, today being Tuesday. And of course, uh, we, we have those comments in their entirety on our YouTube channel. But um, we're wanting to bring you some of the uh, highlights of uh, what Coach Houston had to say about the outgoing seniors in their final game at Dowdy Ficklin, as well as uh, Holt Naylor's, who has you know, rewritten the, the record book. And, yes, he played in uh, more games than some Pirate quarterbacks. But what a tremendous career for Holton and nothing but respect for that young man and the way he represented um, Pirates excuse me, the Pirates uh, on and off the field and the way he carries himself and what he's done to get this program back to where it is and where it will go in the future. Uh, so let's go first to those comments uh, from Mike Houston about the East Carolina seniors and what it's going to be like on senior night with this class. It's meant so much um, to or with this program's return to prominence. Well, hold on. Just what do you what do you think emotions will be like Saturday pregame? I mean, every senior day is emotional, but it just feels like this group, especially the guys, the six-year seniors, maybe it'll even be more emotional with them, given what they have done with this program. Well, I think that's you know, and that's why I'm going to talk to them about you know that group uh, about uh, you know before then is just uh, you know this you got to still try to keep your emotions in check to a degree. I mean, it's uh, certainly a, a chance to honor them and. You know, I still remember my senior day. You know, we all do, uh, but it's uh, you know you want to make sure that you play uh, you know play the game that uh, you envision on senior day. So I think it's going to be a mixture of you know managing those emotions and then you know using those emotions to fuel you. Uh, yeah, but uh, you know certainly I think this this uh, you know this day will be very emotional for our fan base. I think it uh, you know it'll be emotional for me for the same reasons as just you know this group has achieved a lot. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll never forget them. And, uh, and uh, they'll always, you know, be a part of pirate football and a, 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 just a great story with pirate football. <clears throat> so what were your first thoughts when you heard what happened at Virginia? And can you imagine anything like that? How is, that program is trying to cope with that because football is such a family-type deal. It's first off just it's, it's horrific. I mean, it's – Devastating. I mean, I just I, I can't imagine going through that. Um, you know, it's painful enough to to hear about it and watch it. But you know, you spend so much time with these kids, and you become so attached to them. And you know, it, it would be very similar to your own children. And uh, it's you know, it's I think it's a parent's worst nightmare is something like this happening. And so, uh, you know, our thoughts and prayers, you know, have been with them all week. Um, you know, it's it's uh, I just what they're going through you, you shouldn't be going through it and it's just it's a, it's a terrible story and so just uh i hope that they're able to uh you know process this appropriately honor the lives uh, of those who were lost we continue to pray for the two uh young men that are uh, still hospitalized and uh you know just uh you know hope that uh, they can navigate that as best possible but you know there's, there's really just it's hard to put into words so Was 
Holden in particular, what he's meant to this program, and how much has he helped you through your time and, and turn around this program? He's going to leave here with basically every record passing-wise, American and at ACU. What has he meant to you? Well, I think, one, just um, I'm very proud of him and, you know, when he decided to come back for this uh, his last year of eligibility, um, you know, you, you always want to see guys maximize their potential. And I think just uh, the work that he did in the offseason and, you know, the way he's prepared himself this year has allowed him to elevate his level of play to a point where I think, you know, he is, he, he is playing at the highest level of his career and I think maximizing his God-given ability. And so, um, one, I'm just very proud of him. Uh, you know, two, um, you know, enough. Um, He's just a special kid, and uh, we're obviously very close, and uh, I care about him tremendously, and I'm just uh, thankful that we've had our time together, and uh, so just excited to see him finish his career here. I uh, hope Saturday is, uh, you know, another great performance for him, for him, uh, but also for us, but, uh, you know, he has uh, meant a lot to our football program, a lot to me. And there you have the thoughts of East Carolina head football coach Mike Houston, um, the senior class as a whole, as well as his relationship with East Carolina quarterback Holton Aylers. Uh Holton spoke to the media as well, and he was asked specifically you know, about his time as a Pirate and seeing the program go from where it was when he arrived um, prior to that 2018 season and where it currently stands um, as a program that is you know, on the verge of competing for championships once again and getting back to the level it was um, all those years ago uh, when, when Shane Carden, who will be in town this weekend, uh, was behind center as well as um, back to his childhood during the Skip Holtz years. And here are those comments from Holton. Well, Holton, uh, Senior Day Saturday. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how much are you trying to maybe compartmentalize that, but also kind of let it soak in a little bit? Yeah, um, it's, it's kind of tough to to do both. Uh, there's obviously a lot of my mental um, aspect of it is going to preparing for Houston. But at the same time, I mean, I'm just going to enjoy this ride that I've had. That's kind of what I've done this whole time. Um, it has probably hit me more than I thought it would earlier in the week. But, uh, yeah, I mean, one more game in Dowdy. And, you know, I'm just, just thankful for this ride that I've been on and that these seniors have been on to change this program. So, um, obviously, this week's going to be an emotional one for a lot of us. Um, just when you spend so much time at a place and at a time changing it. And when when we got here, it wasn't the way it is now. So uh, just, just super thankful for that. And, yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be a tough week. At the beginning of the year, I remember you telling a story about you and Miles talking about changing yeah. the Pirate program. How well do you think you accomplished that through your five years here? Yeah, uh, I mean, we our goal coming in this thing is to get back to bowl eligibility. Um, and then obviously return for our fifth year, we want to get to a conference championship, which uh, we really didn't get, gun- didn't get um, done. But, um, I mean, everything happens for a reason. We're still just, just proud to be here. Uh, we're thankful. You know, I said at last interview I had is, you know, every time we step on that, practice field and every time we, we step on that game field, I mean, it's a blessing. And, and these seniors know that. You know, that's what's special about this class is um, we knew, we appreciate, you know, the times that we've come from. I mean, there was times when we were struggling to win one game. Uh, and we have the opportunity to win nine this year. And obviously it starts this week with Houston. But, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, walking in that locker room, it's totally different than it was when we got here. How, how do you think it's going to feel walking into Dowdy last time? 
I don't know. Um, I couldn't tell you. It's definitely going to be emotional, um, especially for me and Miles. And obviously, senior day and all that's going to be emotional. But you know, when me and Miles walk out there for the captain's walk one last time, uh, yeah, uh, that will definitely be emotional. And um, it's been a great group of guys you know, that I came in with and that have stuck through hard times. And you know, in the you know, the age of the transfer portal, it's really easy um, to just go, go to another school that's winning maybe right now, um, and especially when we were younger. Um, but, you know, we stuck through it and, and wanted to see this place win. So. One thing that Miles and Expo said is that it's fun again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, practice is fun again. Just going in that locker room. Um, I mean, just, just the mood of everyone. Um, it's just you can tell that people appreciate where we've come from, um, especially these older guys. And like I said, I mean, when we first got here, it was tough to win one game, you know, and, and now we're in every game and have a chance to win every single game. And obviously in football and in life, you know, everything's not always going to go your way. Uh, so, I mean, but just just appreciative to be in the situation that we're in, for sure. Speaking of emotion, earlier today, Coach Houston had his press conference talking about you. He got emotional. Yeah. So, uh, uh, what does he mean to you? Yeah, a lot. You know, he uh, you know, he's the one behind all of this, you know, behind all that. And he didn't even really recruit, recruit the senior class or this fifth-year class, um, but he's certainly the one that, that changed it. You know, he's the one that – you know, put in the program for us to change it, um, and, and we bought into it early. It was hard, you know, this first that first year or two. It was super hard to to even go to practice and to go out there. And I mean, there was times when you know a lot of us probably shouldn't even been playing, you know, with our bodies um, hurt and stuff like that. But that's just football, and um, we we gave everything we could for this university, and he certainly has to. Holden, you've faced your your fair share of criticism early yeah. in your career, especially uh, as a hometown guy. You probably had too much pressure on your shoulders unfairly. I guess how did you maybe find a way to overcome that, not listen to that, and and reach this point? Because I don't know if you ever thought about what it would be like playing at another school, but you, you stuck it out here and then yeah, proceeded. yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I knew it, it sounds crazy, but I knew when I was seventeen when I committed here that I was going to be. I mean, you, you go into a program that's losing, there's going to be criticism, uh, especially when you're playing the quarterback, especially being in the hometown. Um, so I knew going in um, that, that I was going to face some hard days and probably didn't know how hard it was going to be. Um, but, you know, once I once I got older and, you know, I just kept, you know, the circle around me that, you know, the people that have, you know, helped raise me and my friends that have been with me, you know, since I was a kid, um, you know, I just kept them close and, you know, trusted in them and they trusted in me and just – just belief that you know, if you keep your head down and work hard, that everything else will work out. Um, and and certainly that's what I did is just you know kept my head down and you know didn't listen to the outside noise, whether it was praise or criticism. Um, and just you know saw saw the brighter days ahead. You know we're at those days now, and well, I was both for for two years in a row now is a big accomplishment for this program. From you know when we walked in, it was you know we hadn't been to a bowl game in a while. So yeah. All right, Kyle. All right, Kyle. Colton Ehlers, press conference, press conference. The, game. The, game. the game, and uh, uh, it's going to be a great, be a great game. Saturday, Saturday at 2 and that'll be we're going to let you know that we have the best of the for Hampton, for Hampton. and so make sure you do that. All right, all right, all right. I'm David, David Schmitz, from the Fire here on the Sports Good night, Good night everybody. everybody. Go Pirate.